take a walk, ride, stroll, or just listen as you take hold and engage because you are now entering the Cerebral Podcast. Joke of the day. Why did I color outside the lines? Answer. Because I was already marginalized. Thought of the day. Comes from the recently deceased Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Fight for the things you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. Hello and welcome back to The Cerebro Podcast. This is episode 23. Thank you for joining me today. Today I want to talk about grief and disabilities. In the last episode I talked about September 11th and how the support system of relatives and friends helped me before and after September 11th. I was indirectly affected by September 11th along with many other people. But about a month after September 11th, my uncle passed away at home after stints in the hospital. He passed away from a stroke. His side of the family also had a long history of strokes. My grandfather, his dad, also passed away from a stroke before the age of 50. I had a stroke shortly after being born, which I only found out about just a few years ago. It was one of the contributing factors to my disability. I never knew about any stories or information on having strokes before I was born or after I was born. In the 1970s and 80s, and even now, strokes are sometimes confused with intelligence because of the brain damage. A common misconception, at least back then, was that cerebral palsy was directly related to intelligence. One possible reason for this common misunderstanding is that cerebral means of the brain, according to a dictionary definition. And palsy is paralysis, again, according to a dictionary definition. So brain paralysis, or the derogatory term retarded, was often used. Some people with cerebral palsy also have an intellectual disability. People with cerebral palsy can have an intellectual or other related disabilities, but they are not the same. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, also known as the CDC, cerebral palsy is a group of disorders that affect a person's ability to move and maintain balance and posture. Cerebral palsy is the most common disability in childhood. The CDC says cerebral palsy has to do with 
the weakness or problems with or using muscles caused by brain damage. My primary type of cerebral palsy was and is spastic cerebral palsy. In the 1970s and 80s, the, before the ADA, the term spaz was sometimes used to derogatorily refer to an uncoordinated person. In the same way, retard these days, or retarded, was sometimes used before the ADA to refer to a person that was not smart. These days, intelligence goes beyond books and even beyond the classroom. Emotional intelligence is used today by teachers, parents, and even professionals to refer to self-awareness, self-management, and responsible decision-making skills that everyone uses in today's society. My uncle was born in the 1950s in Brooklyn, New York, and struggled with an undiagnosed intellectual disability. My grandparents, who were Polish immigrants, did not have the language, knowledge, education, or experience to help their son. One of the rarely shared stories was that as a kid, my uncle ate some coal. I don't know if that was a combination of stories or a one-time incident. More succinctly, I would summarize my uncle's intellectual disability as a processing disorder. He had difficulty following directions and keeping up with hygiene habits. The processing disorder left him with the significant vulnerability to manipulation and easily being tricked. To make matters worse, my grandfather passed away in his late 40s from a stroke. My dad then became the man of the house in the 1960s at the age of 19 years old. This made the situation obviously more traumatic and difficult. Even in today's society, with all the updated and additional social-emotional learning supports, many parents with kids with disabilities experience recurrent grief, which is sometimes known as chronic sorrow or non-definite loss. In a research article, mothers experienced lifelong waves of pain and parental shock over the disparities from normalcy. There were also indications of personal and societal factors over the disability diagnosis. It resulted in the shame and blame and guilt of parents over a lot of unanswered questions. It also introduced the shocks of lost expectations and new realities. The circumstances often caused physical, religious, emotional, financial, and other stress on the family and, and the family members. Parents reported there was a double mourning process. 
The first mourning grief was the loss of parents' hopes and dreams. The second mourning was for the child's lost hopes and dreams. In some cases, the parent had trouble grieving because of the lack of family and societal supports and misunderstandings. Some parents also lost the desire to have more children. The pivotal turning point for many parents came with the ability for them to gain new experiences and insight and develop clarity with their new situation, with a more sensible approach that changed over time. They found professional resources which helped them regain balance. Self-care, physical exercise, emotional exercises of faith and other things helped. Parents also reported developing deeper levels of compassion and kindness and understanding with a greater sense of purpose. One of the ways I gradually reshaped my purpose in school was to develop a deep hope and faith in setting a positive example. Like Jackie Robinson and Martin Luther King, I focused on positivity. I also tried to educate those kids, parents, and others around me. And like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I tried to lead in a way so that other people could join me. My stubborn belief was that I represented something with greater meaning than myself. I hoped to use my experiences as teachable moments to make my environment better. I held on to the hope for the next time when the first or second time or third time didn't work out. Many of my school friends on Facebook have since said they gained a deeper appreciation of disability lessons from me. In this week's Rope or Rite of Passage Experiences, I want to talk about how I recalibrated my faith and in other things after September 11th and the loss of my uncle. I was actively looking for ways to find new meaning. I was looking for ways to find new purpose. I began watching the TV show Crossing Over with John Edward. I had heard of him from a New York City radio station, which was WPLJ 95.5 on the FM dial. John Edward was a psychic medium who communicated with the other side or the other energies. I watched him for weeks on TV and he repeatedly said to the audience at home that people could be open to just tuning into energy from the other side. I began to have nightly conversations with my uncle through my thoughts and no one else heard them. And I also started talking through my uncle rather than Jesus Christ or God 
because I had a closer relationship with my uncle. I felt closer to my uncle at that time, at least. One of the things I asked for was guidance on getting through the recent events. A month later, I found an internet customer service job in Brooklyn. The job was about an hour away on the other side of Brooklyn on the F subway train. It was not the money I was looking for, but it paid the bills. I did have to switch to another G subway line to get back to Greenpoint. Shortly after starting the job, I was assigned to a Sunday night shift followed by a Monday morning back-to-back shift. My aunt called and I told her about the new job. I had just done a back-to-back shift and told her about the commute. My aunt offered for me to sleep on her couch on Sunday nights because my aunt lived with her husband in another side of Brooklyn, only four stops away from the internet service company job. It saved me about 45 minutes of commuting time. On those Monday mornings, my cousin Bridget even walked with her friends with me to the F train. She was also using the F train to go to school. She wanted to make sure I didn't have any problems with the stairs. There was at least one time, though, that around 12.30 in the morning on Sunday night, my key didn't work. I had to ring the doorbell and wake everyone up. And then I found out they changed the locks the previous week and forgot to tell me. It remains a joke in the family to this day. My guess is even with the best family members and scaffolding, things aren't perfect. But I knew I was going to be okay. For me, that ironic experience gave me a key answer that my uncle was somehow watching over. A couple of years later, I ended up working inside the old Leviton building where my uncle used to work in the 1990s. I built a website for a furniture company that occupied space in the same building. Through that experience, I felt more connected to him. How did you regain balance in your life by changing your scaffolding? What insights from disabilities could give you more clarity? What faith or other physical or emotional resources could you tune into around you? Thank you for allowing me to be a voice inside your head. Please share this podcast with someone you know. Were there one or two specific things that you learned or liked? Would you mind joining and sharing it on the Cerebral Podcast Facebook group? You can listen to the show on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. 
or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you to the listeners who support the show on the Cerebral Podcast Facebook group. I invite you to join the group. You can also email the show at thecerebralpodcast at gmail.com or send questions, comments, or ideas for the show. And remember, it takes effort to be vulnerable, be accountable, and be respectful in the way you treat others and yourself. You can be the biggest variable in your life when you take ownership. Now, take hold, engage in your world. You are now leaving the Cerebral Podcast. Always what I like, I never give up.